Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sport is a huge answer to everyone. It's just, you've just got to find what sport it is for you. You know, you have to, if you can test yourself mentally, you know, I don't care if it's chess or you know, rugby or golf or, you know, netball, all you're doing is being in that moment. And that's what sport allows you to do. Um, I think it's a fantastic, you know, tool. It's mentally yours from Ellen and a focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally Yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. My name's Yvette and this week I'll be chatting to Stuart Harris. He's a former soldier. He was in the 1st Battalion Welsh Guards. He saw comrades pass away in a Taliban attack and he suffered life-changing injuries. He's now joined forces with mental health campaigner Johnny Benjamin for an arts project and podcast called The Resilience Sessions. I chatted to him about mental health and the military, depression and why sharing experiences really can help. I served with uh, the 1st Battalion, the Welsh Guards. Um, I served in places uh, such as um, Northern Ireland, Kosovo, Bosnia, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And then such places on exercise like um, Kenya and um, Belize. Uh, yeah, it was um, exciting times to be mm. in the British Army. How old were you when you went into the Army and what made you want to join? Uh, I was 17 years old uh, when I first joined. And um, I wanted to join because of my uh, granddad served. And mm-hmm. I just remember his stories and things like that. And, uh, it was just something that was really interesting. And it's actually something that I spoke about earlier in the week. Um, where um, the, the, one of the reasons I did want to join is my dad um, took me uh, painting, decorating as a, I was about 15 years old. And um, I remember absolutely hating it. It was hard. The money wasn't great. 
and he said this is why you you know it's important that you keep your head down in school because unless if you don't this is where you're going to end up yeah so that, that was what to drive me to try and get good grades in school and join the military mm. so what was it that you enjoyed about being in the forces bit corny but the world is your office um you, you know it changed you know daily and, and weekly one one day you're in brecon another day you're at buckingham palace the next day you're on the front line in iraq mm. it is that it is that you know quick to that it changes it's absolutely mental and uh uh, you always feel very alive and very conscious that something can change. The next day, you can just receive a phone call or an email, and off you go. Your bags are packed, and and you're in a different country once again. So, obviously, this is a mental health podcast. Could you tell us a bit about um, how being in the forces sort of affected your mental health? Because obviously, you'd be put in sort of situations that a lot of people would just never have to deal with. How mine happened was um, I was in Afghanistan on uh, the second tour uh, that I've been on in 2000. And twelve, hmm. and um, we were in a place called Helmand Province, uh, just outside a town called Sangin. And uh, we were coming back from a routine patrol, and the vehicle went over what's called an IED, an improvised explosive device, a bomb, effectively. And uh, the whole world went dark, but upwards. Um, I don't know whether that was me going unconscious or mud showering over the top of us, but the next thing. Um, the next thing I heard was this uh, Scottish voice. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm in hell. <laughs> but um, it was it was worse. I was in Birmingham uh, and I was uh, I was in Birmingham Queen Elizabeth Hospital. And that Scottish voice turned out to be a very, very nice man who I'm still friends with today. Uh, name's Dr. Kirkwood. And um, he told me a few things that I'll never forget. He said, uh, Stuart, you have five lobes in your brain. You damage a frontal temporal and optical lobe which has caused you to be blind in the right eye, partially in the left. Uh, because of the blast, you're deaf in the right ear and partially in the left. And um, when you landed, you know, after the vehicle landed, after the explosion, your legs clapped together and you crushed both your uh, testicles. Um, I'll be honest, I've had better days, uh, but with the uh, magic of modern medicine, uh, I was able to get a steroid program uh, on my left eye, got a lot of hit, uh, quite a good amount of sight back uh, i wear this hard lens now and then when i wear glasses i was able to redo my driving test in a place called headley court and um i passed uh but uh, so that was that gave me a lot of independence back um hearing aids i wear you know to help with the hearing and i have two daughters although it is quite you know upsetting to lose the you know ability to have more children i'm actually very very happy and so is my wife uh, so we're, we're okay there but as the physical health got better, uh, my mental health took a uh, massive dip as the as my brain repaired itself because it's absolutely a fantastic thing the brain. And um, I would remember the the men that we lost on the tour. Uh, we lost three guys in my team uh, a few months prior to uh, my incident, and um, I'd remember that and go through you know survival guilt and ask why you know because. When the lads was 18 years old, you know, it's, it's, his life was just starting, if you like. And um, and I began to struggle uh, to the point where um, I was diagnosed with something called post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and uh, I'd go through all these sort of, and I'd spend days arguing with myself about what's right and what's wrong. Um, I would, str I, if, if I couldn't tie my shoelace a certain way, I would break out in tears 
Um, I would uh, I would take the law into my own hands. Like if someone wasn't using the psychopath, uh, that would send me over the edge and just wasn't dealing with things in a healthy way at all. Um, to the point where one day I just woke up with this clarity uh, and the answer was to not be here anymore. And I stood in the kitchen and the wife was looking at me like I was a fool and I explained to her what I was about to do and she called 999 and I was placed in a mental health unit. So when you went into hospital, what sort of treatment did you receive? Or was it, a, was it? I mean, obviously it was a very difficult time and it's probably fairly hazy, but what's the sort of thing that, that you sort of remember as, as helping? I remember it um, extremely clear um, going in uh, because I wasn't on any medication at the time. But um, it was um, it was a tough, I felt sorry for the NHS because they just didn't know what to do with me. I must have changed mental health units three times that week uh, to different ones. And they were all, I think they were all scared to take ownership of a serving soldier. A veteran is different. A serving soldier is someone that's still, you know, owned by someone, if you like, you know, owned by the crown. Uh, so they were very you know a lot of them wanted to send me to the um the military uh, mental health units down south but um you know they didn't have means of transport and stuff like that so it was quite difficult for them and they did an absolutely fantastic job while I was there um but um it was you know it, while I was in there I did feel a little bit like I was you feel a little bit like you're being punished you know because you're not allowed to go out you you got to be watched taking your medications and um and then if the medications don't work, it's all very trial and error. But well, it's trial and error. You can't go out. You can't be with your family and stuff. And it took me about four months to get out of there mm. uh, with trial and error. And, and while there, my own rule when I went in, I was I said to myself, my wife and my children won't see me while I'm in here. So I was I was punishing myself in a way as well. Um, but that, that's something that I still feel for me was the right move for them to not come and see me. It was tough, you know, all the, all, um, there was some tablets that I was on where I'd, I'd wet the bed sometimes uh, because um, of the, the, the stuff it did to my body. Because um, <clears throat> all the way through my whole army career and some of my teenage years, um, I've been very, um, I feel that the, the human body could deal with things. Like if you have a headache, you know, have a lie down or have some water. I've never been one to reach for the aspirin or anything like that. Uh, so when I was on all these medications, my body, um, the doctors told me, you know, didn't go into shock, but they weren't just weren't used to it. Uh, so uh, my body was really extremely reactive to all these uh, medications that I was having to take to uh, to calm myself down and things like that. The the mental health unit um, in in itself, I, I saw it as a bit of a um, an all inclusive, maybe the worst all inclusive ever. But it was a, you, you had accommodation, three meals a day um, and um the, one of the reasons I was able to get better quite quick was um, I was in there for about two months and a chap came in and he said, would anyone here like to try golf? And I remember putting my hand up saying, you know, does it get me out of here? And, uh, and he was like, yeah, it does. We go down to the local driving range. So I was like, yeah, I'll have some of that. Uh, so I went down there and I was still quite um, quite heavily blind at this point. Uh, so I went down there and um, I hit balls left, right, behind me and stuff like that. And uh, and uh, after a while, I just started, started to fall in love with the game. Uh, you'd feel like the shot and like I couldn't play rugby anymore because of the brain damage. I couldn't 
that was boxing out and everything like that. I was never good. I was never a good standard golfer or a good standard boxer, but I enjoyed it. Um, but um, it, it, a lot of sports were taken away from me. But golf is quite um, it's quite friendly, um, and it takes a lot of boxes as in socialising, exercise. Uh, and I found that when I was hitting a ball, all I was doing was concentrating on that stupid white little ball. And um, and my by the time I was finished, a lot of my problems had sort of subsided or I would have calmed down. And it's a tool that I still use today a lot. Mm. Uh, is a, I go and play nine holes or um, I go to the driving range. And it's it's been a, it's actually for me, and I don't say it's for everyone, but it's it's replaced medication for me. Um, um, golf is now my therapy better than any therapy session or medication um it's it's a uh, it's, it's absolutely saved me that's really interesting um what do you think it is about it that's helped you i mean that why do you think it works for you in particular i yeah i was i'm glad you said in, me in particular because i don't I, it's not for everyone i understand that but i do i really really i push it as much as i can now when i talk to schools and stuff that um sport is a huge answer to everyone it's just you've just got to find what sport it is for you you know, um, um, you know, you have to, if you can test yourself mentally, you know, I don't care if it's chess or, you know, rugby or golf or, you know, netball, all you're doing is being in that moment. And that's what sport allows you to do. Mm. Um, I think it's a fantastic, fantastic, um, you know, tool for mental health and a real healthy way of getting doing it. And, and the healthier you are in any sport, the better you are at the sport before you know it, you're not only exercising the mind and being mentally better, but physically in some ways as well. Um, but um, yes, it's, it's been absolutely fantastic for me. And um, and it's something that I do work quite well with now with the NHS Wales. Uh, we're not very far away now from getting golf prescribed to people that go in and say they're not having a great time at the moment. So instead of, it used to be, that, okay, there's six uh, gym sessions. Where sometimes you don't, if you're suffering, you know, with depression or anxiety do you really want to go to a gym where there's loads of buff people in a hundred mirrors you know so um so we're trying to work in how we can factor a few golf sessions in where you can just go down to a driving range be on your own and just hit some balls at your own you know your own sort of your your, your pace of life mm. so it's something that i really enjoy doing uh, in my community um going back to the military side of your life again because obviously you've been in the military for a while and you must have some really sort of interesting insights into this i suppose my my main question is what sort of support is provided in general for people in the military and what do you think they could do better if anything because it must be a really difficult set of circumstances for every for everyone you know whether you're prone to mental health issues or not it, it just yeah so basically what is there at the moment and what could what else could they do so when i was coming out it was it was very it was very difficult when i was leaving the military and coming out of the military um i was looked after uh by uh, the medical side you know i was going to therapy sessions uh in places like woolwich and things like that but um my i was served in an infantry regiment you know 600 men and it was still i still we're only just if you like now turning turning a corner with mental health it's it was I was still at the back end of it. It was very, it wasn't, it was a taboo subject. 
um, um, very, you know, man up, what's wrong with you, get over it, get a pint down you, you know, get, get, gather cry and, that, and that's you done, get back to work. And that, that, that it's, um, and I had a few, I had a few issues with my battalion as well, um, uh, which I, I, don't, I don't want to go into too much because I don't want to, um, I don't want to badmouth a, a battalion that I absolutely love. No, no, of course not. But I think just kind of in general, we can totally understand that maybe it's it's sort of an area of work where there might be more stigma. Just because am I right in thinking that you, it's you can't get into the forces if you if you admit to sort of having um, mental health issues or a history of mental health issues. So so presumably, if you're then in the military and you're sort of struggling, you might not want to then talk about it. Whether getting in with mental health issues, I know that they they are opening up a lot of doors. Like if you haven't had uh, medications for about five years, you know, that you can go for, you can try again. And, and I know some people have been successful. Mm. Uh, but um, but while you're in the military, it is quite hard. Um, and there is, a, I think we're in a better place now where, you know, a lot of regiments are a bit more open to, you know, of what the guys go through. Because, for example, you know, in the 90s and um, the back end of the 80s, that all there was was Northern Ireland. And as tough as it was, you know, when I joined, I was 17 years old. I went straight to Bosnia at the age of 17 because the law was then you could be 17 as long as you turned 18 on a tour, uh, you were allowed to go. So I was a 17-year-old, you know, in Bosnia taking weapons off the Russians. Um, it was, a, you know, a big eye-opener. And I don't regret any of it. And then into Northern Ireland, then onto Kosovo, then into the Iraq War, then into Afghanistan. You know, a very heavily kinetic period. It was a, it was a matter of time before you know men were going to break, um, and uh, and that's what happened. I think we got a huge. We just did so much as um as the British Army, you know, especially the infantry guys, uh, going you know all around the world and seeing what they see and dealing with cultures that aren't similar to ours. Um, it was it was just a matter of point where people like myself were just going to snap and and to not know a way out and not know how to deal with it. And I know now that the way I've reacted is normal. At the time, I thought I wasn't being normal. But if you had seen and witnessed and done, you know what men like me have done, then if you didn't break down, then you would probably be considered. I consider you abnormal now. You know, I'd consider you an alien. You know, how has it not affected you? Um, but um, but the military is um it's still got a long way to go compared to um civil services and stuff like that but um i, I think we're on the right path well there's so many aspects to it aren't, it, aren't there like um for instance you mentioned um losing friends comrades um in afghanistan i think anybody sort of just losing one person that would be sort of very traumatic and sort of going through bereavement but having to deal with that sort of on mass um in itself must be very difficult um are there programs sort of within the armed forces that to sort of support people through things like that? Or I, because I, I don't really know so much about what actually goes on in the forces. Do you know if there are any sort of things specifically like that or um, charities particularly or? So there's, well, you're a serving soldier, you can't really access charity, charitable help mm. um, within, as in, you know, uh, as in uh, healthcare, because they have a, you have a really generous healthcare system within the military. Mm. Um, you, know, you can go, you, you'll be seen by a doctor that morning. If you go sick in the morning, you're seen by a doctor that morning and treated. 
which is uh, obviously not like it is uh, in within the NHS. Uh, so, you, you know, we're lucky in that aspect. And if you do go and see a doctor and you say, you know, I'm struggling, he would refer you to um, a, you know, a, a mental health, your closest military mental health establishment. Um, and you would be seen there and you go for a few sessions and stuff like that and hopefully talk it out. Uh, but sometimes with mental health, which I'm sure you may have seen, the only time you go and ask for help is when you're at critical points usually because mm. um, uh, it creeps upon you and you bury it and you bury it and you bury it and before you know the pressure cooker's burst and you've uh, you've probably been kicked out of your house because you haven't dealt with something in the right way and, and then you're trying to get an appointment and you can't get an appointment because it's not until two weeks down the line. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's always, that's always very difficult. So I think if there are... Like you said at the moment, what happens in Afghanistan, they have uh, this thing called trig. So if you're involved in an incident, you know, someone will come and ask you questions and how you feel and stuff like that. Mm. But it's usually it's it's just like it, it's a bit of a tick in the box service. It's a, and it's usually conducted by someone that you were actually in the incident with. So, for example, if a sniper shot at our, our team, and we get returned fire and killed him. Then we went back to camp. The section commander that was actually with us would ask us to take the trig. And I don't think that's a good thing because who's who's going to perform trig on him? Mm. You know who? And uh, so, so it's not it's not a foolproof scheme. It's a, to me it's a, just a it's a bit of a safety net saying yeah we've speak, we've spoken to the guys they're fine. You know it's a it's a it's covering their own arse if you ask me in that in that perspective but mm. they that's, that's just my personal opinion mm. um do you have any thoughts on how it could be improved then uh, i i think having you know there's, i don't see any harm in having a therapist out in in the bigger camps such as uh camp bastion such as you know say for example when there's Iraq, someone in basra you know having a therapist there that actually would come out and perform a real trig service if you like uh you know and it it's 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 it's, it's all relative like um sometimes it's just someone to talk to you know uh, we have a lot of padres in the army a lot of uh, men of the cloth you know i'm not a deeply religious person but um they're fantastic they always have a lovely kind ear to listen to your problems mm. uh so uh so that i don't think there would be anything wrong with that but um unfortunately i, I wish i did have the answers but um, I, I don't. And to a point, you know, when I joined the army, some of this was expected to happen. You know, I, I'm not a fool. I was. And when I was going to places like Afghanistan, I didn't expect that I was going to, you know, I didn't think I was going to go to somewhere like Benidorm. Mm. And I knew there was war there and I know what war brings with it. I'm not uh, none of us are fools. And uh, so. So I don't hold anyone accountable. No, no. But at the same time, I mean, I don't think everyone going into the army would automatically sort of expect to come out with PTSD. I mean, you could you could be aware that these things happen to some people, but I mean. Yeah, definitely. Good, brilliant point you bring up there. Um, no one wants to leave, you know, a shaking wreck. Um, so um, so, so I, I really would like um, the military to do more if we can, but mm. in situ, you know, it, at the root of the problem, mm. uh, because as you, as I'm sure you're, aware, it just it just boils over, and and and, that, and that's the way, and because the way a soldier is, mm. 
going to bottle this up. I'm going to bottle it and bottle it. And by the time it's it, it's just too late, mm. by the time he's blown, you've you've got this trained guy who who uh, who knows how to kill, who probably has killed, and and he is now a, a, a considered a recluse uh, and a, a, a not fit for society. Mm. And how, how does that make that young man feel, or whoever, or young girl? Um, it's a, 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 more needs to be done. Mm. Like more needs to be done. I think it's really fantastic that you're sort of you've come out there and you're you're talking about things like PTSD because I think it's such a difficult condition for some people to understand. Have you had other veterans talk to you and sort of come up to you and talk to, about their experience now that you've started opening up about it? What worries me is sometimes you get sort of you know, it's it's like a fuse this PTSD of when it kicks in. Sort of stuff. So I'm seeing a lot of Falklands veterans that are struggling, mm-hmm. and uh, and Northern Ireland and uh, sailing of Iraq. I don't even think we've touched the the sides with Afghanistan yet. I think that's going to come in about ten years that time, mm-hmm. because what's happening is guys are leaving the military. Most of the time they leave because they just don't want to go and put them through. The amount of guys that I went to Afghanistan with that came back and signed off is unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know anyone that I served with. I think one person in my team is still in the army. Um, and um, it, because I, I came out through the medical discharge way, mm. but they've all come out voluntary because they go over there, they see what's, and they, you know, they, and they physically can't go through it again. Mm. You know, so they sign off. And then when you get out, they've got to go into a whole new chapter, a whole new life, uh, you know, starting afresh. So they put their whole, mindset and body into that but that's what and that's i find that when they've gone into that and five years let's say for example they've done well they've cracked it that's when the demons come in and sort of and they're reminded of oh you know i didn't i didn't really deal with that at the time Mm. but that's put quite a fuzzy picture on that that's not how it happens it's usually you know they've they've done they're out of nowhere they're like oh i've got a bit of time on my hands i'll I'll go on holiday or I'll, I'll go for a drink with some friends and play golf and whatever. And before you know it, they're, they're tippling over because they haven't dealt with it mm. um, healthy way when it was needed to be dealt with. It's, it's good that I, I'm, I'm glad that some people come forward and talk to me. And um, I, I, like, like I said, then I have had people come up to me and said, um, I've, I've not actually dealt with anything. I, I don't know how to deal with it. I haven't, I, I've just blocked that out. Mm. And I've just, I've just, my advice has been, you know, Please be mindful if you're if you're finding yourself you know if if you're finding yourself wanting to be on your own more and maybe you're crying for some strange reasons and stuff like that you know talk to someone mm. please talk to someone because that's the bad thing about, about men and and especially soldiers uh, in that men bracket you know women women talk and I, and I know it's sometimes I make a joke about women talking and whatnot especially my wife when she's going on one and I turn my hearing aids off but um it's it, the reason men's suicide is so high compared to women is because women talk to each other they talk about every single little problem they have and I wish men would do the same uh, because uh, it absolutely breaks my heart when I hear of someone that I know know that is, is committed suicide and it happens so much it happens a lot lost three friends this year to suicide um and it's um there's a there's a absolutely horrific uh statistic out there about the falklands war 
and it's um, we've actually um, lost more soldiers uh, in the Falklands War to suicide than actually died in the Falklands War. Mm. That's absolutely horrible. Mm. I'm so sorry for your loss, first of all, with the, the friends you talked about. Unfortunately, we're sort of getting towards the end of time, but we need to talk about the Resilience Sessions, um, which is a project that you're working on, isn't it? Could you tell me about that, please? Because that fun- sounds fantastic. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for asking. So I uh, did a fantastic talk with a such a lovely human being, uh, Johnny Benjamin, who is a MBE, and uh, he, and rightly so. He's done absolutely, some absolutely fantastic things. And um, we shared, uh, I shared my sort of military background of how I suffered with mental health. And he once again helped me grow as a person. He spoke about um, sort of what, uh, he suffers with something in the schizophrenia family. Mm. Uh, um, uh, He would hear voices and things like that. And before I heard his story, I think I would have been a bit like, don't talk, daft, you're not hearing your voices, grow up, you know, sort of that sort of mentality. But he really suffered and he went into a drama where he could pretend to be somebody else. Um, and uh, it worked for him for a good few years, but eventually it caught up with him. He found himself in a mental health unit and um, and and so on and so forth. I don't want to spoil it. You'll have to go out and listen to it. <laughs> but um, but it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's available on a, on podcast and all that sort of stuff. The Resilience Sessions, please uh, give it a Google. And um, you, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Uh, there's a good few sessions on there. I've really enjoyed. I had to, it really done my head because I was saving the sessions for when I was on a train. Mm. Everyone's asking me, oh, have you heard this one? I was like, no, don't tell me anything. Uh, I, I want to save it. But it's a series of podcasts, um, basically with a mixture of um, kind of some celebrities, but also at some people with just experience of mental health issues chatting about that was it in front of an audience that it was recorded or was it privately it was in a studio so you got me with johnny benjamin we we talk our best about mental health and our experiences and and how to you know what we can do going forward Mm. then you had um you had a friend of mine a royal marine mark umrod uh and he spoke with another chap i think he was a chef his name is gone from my mind now but he uh is missing he's an amputee missing his arm Mm. but he's a Really, he's quite. You know, he's he's done really well in the in 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 his uh, in his field. That's what makes these sort of special and new, unique, isn't it? Because each of them includes um, servicemen or former servicemen. I think Simon Harmer is with Carol Vorderman, I think, and they talk about that. And then Ray Winston's with another guy, and I think Ray opens up about his mother, and I think he gets a bit upset about it and stuff. And it's um it's 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 it's, it's absolutely fantastic, and I hope we can all do it. The uh, the, uh, give it the credit it deserves by you know just having a listen of them uh, and mm. you will you will learn a lot from it and get something from it I promise you so this is goodbye from mentally yours so go away enjoy your day get on with all your chores from mentally 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 yours mentally yours mentally yours, mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring. They're on 116-123, or you can find them at samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our producer, Sam Bonham, and to Lucy Baker for the jingles, and to Stuart Harris. 
You can find us on Facebook. We have a lovely group called Mentally Yours. We're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.